Hello, welcome back to the Hako Diaries podcast. So happy to have you back here as always. Just wanted to remind you before we start the episode to please, 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 please rate, review, and subscribe because it helps me so much and it's super easy for you. Um, This week, I am having on Erica Eileen, who is a sex and confidence coach. So we're talking all about confidence, setting boundaries, um, being happy and comfortable with yourself, being alone. And she gives some really good actionable advice on how to become more confident, which I think everybody could benefit from. So I am so excited for you guys to listen to this interview and I would love to hear what you think. So if you listen to the episode and you enjoy it, send me a message, post it on your story, send it to a friend, be super cool. And just going to keep it short and simple because we had a really long interview. So let's, uh, get it. let's get into the episode. Hi, Erica. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, no problem. So I am joined by Erica Eileen today, who is a sex and confidence coach. Erica, why don't you tell us what was your journey to becoming a sex and confidence coach? Yeah, for sure. Um, So hi, everyone. My name is Erica Eileen. Um, I am a sex and confidence coach, as mentioned, and I have been on a journey to confidence for a very long time. And maybe some of you listening are also on your journey. Maybe you've never um, started your journey, or maybe you are kind of trying to find your way. So my journey before coaching and how I got here really started when I was seven and I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And that diagnosis alone is very rooted in a lot of stigma and a lot of stereotypes around the word diabetes. Um, And so I was very misunderstood from a very young age about not only my disease, but also my capabilities, because a lot of the information and a lot of the logic around diabetes is this idea of like incapability. So I developed um, a very difficult body image from a young age, but I also then um, it translated into who I was as a person. So I really struggled with just believing that I was capable of achieving things because of my diabetes, uh, which then transferred into puberty. So as everyone goes through puberty is difficult for all of us, but adding on a chronic disease and adding on this layer of responsibility was very difficult. So I struggled in high school. I really struggled with being myself as well. I'm an outgoing bubbly really eccentric individual. And it was just always the message of too much. So whether it was my diabetes and being a burden and feeling like I was a problem to my family and to my friends, whether it was that I was super outgoing and loud and eccentric, and I was almost like the bull in the China shop. I never really felt Mm -hmm. like I was able to actually like be my authentic self. So a lot of my life was spent masking my confidence. And on the outside, I had a lot of energy. So people assumed that I was confident, but on the inside, I didn't really like who I was and I didn't really feel like who I was, was, um, accepted really. So after university or sorry, after high school, I went off to university and I studied physical and health education as well as gender equality and social justice. So when I went to university, I actually wanted to become a cancer researcher or a doctor, something to do with health and Mm -hmm. medicine. And I was obsessed with exercise and dieting at the time. I really believed health was nutrition and fitness and that's it. And it wasn't until I actually started taking my courses in gender equality and social justice that I realized that there was so much more to the world. So for those of you listening, I am a cisgendered white woman. 
Um, I have a lot of privilege. My family grew up with wealth. So I was not aware of the systemic oppression that existed in the world. And I also grew up in a very small town. So I knew that there was inequality and I knew that there was differences, but I didn't really understand the root of how it actually affected the way that we see the world and how we see ourselves as well. So in this program, I did a whole like 180 of my thoughts. So I went from really wanting to focus on losing weight and that being the entity of help Mm -hmm. to actually being like, oh, holy shit, like there's so much more to self-worth and self-confidence that goes into it. So I did my two degrees and I was still kind of struggling with releasing myself from diet culture, which is very deeply rooted into who we are. And you don't even know that you're being fed the message of diet culture. Like you, you, you don't know, and you're born with it. And the same with gender roles, right? Like we don't really know, but like at the age of like three months, you can start to identify Um, And humans can start to identify even like what gender is. So that was really interesting. So after university, I went to Australia for a couple of years. I just needed to go on my own journey and really just find myself. I was in a relationship at the time and it was a great relationship. And I ended up staying with a partner, but I was like, I need to go. I need to find myself. And so when I was in Australia, I learned a lot about my body because I was in a bikini every single day and I kind of had to. Um, But it wasn't until I actually got back a year later that I realized that confidence is literally nothing to do with the body. And the focus of wanting to heal the relationship with your body is still very rooted in diet culture and the belief that the body is of value. So Mm -hmm. I had thought I cured my, (laughs) my relationship with my confidence, which I did to an extent, but I realized after that, that it doesn't even matter how you feel about your body if you don't really actually love yourself on the inside. So after that, I worked at a preschool and I was a um, special assistant for children. So I helped kids get through their day um, and with just a little bit of help. So I really liked it. But again, it was a job that people told me I'd be good at rather than a job that I actually wanted to do. And it was there that I started learning about boundaries and respecting myself and following my, my journey. Now, I had been sharing online since probably about like four years at this point about my own journey with confidence. So I had a platform that was starting to grow and it was very rooted around accepting your diabetes, accepting your body as someone who is disabled and working through my feelings around that. Mm -hmm. And um, after two years of preschool teaching, I was like, okay, I've had it. I've had enough. I know I can support people in this and I know I have what it takes. And It was funny because my whole life I said I wanted to do something that helped people and I didn't really understand what that looked like. And the world of medicine was never really meant for me. Same with education and school. Like it, I I did well in school, but I didn't love it. I didn't love to study. I was more like, I want to be out like cheering people on and I want to be like in the community and doing things. So I knew I always wanted to be in a position where I could help people. And I just took what I learned in university. I took what I learned in my own experience and I've crafted now um, like a three-phase system that I use for people to help develop confidence, whether it's in their body, whether it's in themselves in and towards their sexuality and their sex life, whatever it is, it can be applied to each area of your life to help you kind of feel like you are actually learning to understand what real confidence is, not just the pseudo-confidence that people are selling nowadays. Yeah, well, that was a great overview of your life. Thank you for that. Um, I love what you said about how, thank you said like that nutrition and fit, like you thought nutrition and fitness was everything that health Mm -hmm. was. And I feel like that's such a common misconception. And I definitely used to think that. And even in my program, because I'm taking kinesiology, which is really similar to what you did. We do talk a little bit about how like socioeconomic status and like all these other factors, but it's very much a focus on 
fitness and weight and how you also said like you thought that losing weight would make you love your body, but it really has nothing to do with it. Totally. And I've been through the ringer with my weight. Like I've gained mass amounts of weight. I've lost mass amount of weight. And like that, like I am more confident now than I ever was before. And this is not the body that I started my confidence journey in. And so it really just goes to show. um, And I think it's hard too, for people to accept like that confidence is actually possible. And again, I will always point out my privilege and that I am a white woman and I am for the most part, very able-bodied. So I do have a lot of privilege in that, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's really about breaking down our beliefs around beauty and weight and size and all the stigmas around fat phobia and even like homophobia, transphobia, all of those um, systemic oppressions that really make us believe that some people are better than others simply by the way that they look or the way that they present themselves. Right. And like, I think that a lot of people think that they want to lose weight because they really like think they'll like themselves better when they're thinner, but maybe it's more about how society will treat you and view you when you're it's the privileges yeah. that come with being thinner. Exactly. Yeah. I always tell people, I'm like, are you actually trying to lose weight or are you just really scared about losing the privilege that comes with being in a thin body? And that's very real as well, right? That's like a safety response. That's a um, protective response. So mm-hmm. when we are focusing on helping people understand confidence and understanding self, it's important to give space and almost like grievance to the fact that like, it's very realistic why people want to lose weight and want to have those privileges because it's, it's safe, but that's not going to stop the the systemic oppression that's happening towards it. So the more we can pass up our privilege to be like, no, this is like not how it should be. Mm -hmm. The more we offer opportunity for our fat friends and for our colored friends and our black friends and our disabled friends to have the opportunity to experience the same privilege that we do. Yeah. And I think that's definitely like what we should be working towards. And I think a lot of people don't really recognize that yet. Totally, totally, totally. I would love to hear a little bit more about your personal experience with diet culture and weight feelings? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I grew up and I just want to also preface by saying all of us grow up in the same world, whether you live in one part of the world, whether you live in the other, the precedent of weight and the importance of weight and thinness is implied everywhere that where you go it might be different it might look different some cultures appreciate this type of body some people appreciate that but no matter what the idea that the thin body is the valued body is Mm -hmm. worldwide so that's the first thing that we need to like notice is that like you are not problematic and you are not responsible for your hating yourself and that's a really huge piece that comes with understanding diet culture is that you didn't come out of the womb hating the way that your body looks like if you talk to any three-year-old or four-year-old, you're like, like, who are you? What are you like? Yeah. I'm a princess. I'm a prince. Like I'm a, I, I can be everything. Like I love myself. I'm perfect. Like you are the problem one, not me, right? You, you talk to a child and they actually truly believe that. And it's because they don't have the weight of the world on them yet. And then all of a sudden you talk to a seven, eight year old and they start to know, okay, I need makeup to be pretty like mommy, mm-hmm. or I need this to like, I need to have muscles like daddy to be strong. Right. And then all of a sudden you get into the teenage years and it's all of a sudden just diet culture galore. So for those of you that don't know or may not know, diet culture is essentially the belief that regardless of what your mental health looks like, your your wellness, your stability, anything that is actually good to the soul. It doesn't matter about that. As long as you're thin and skinny and you look a certain size, then you have value to yourself. And so 
diet culture is embedded in everything. It's embedded in the marketing that we hear. It's embedded in the clothes. And just to even help you really understand the depth of diet culture and the depth of um, fat phobia that exists in our world. If you think about going on an airplane, the aisles are tiny. The chairs are petite. If you go down the aisles at the grocery store. They're not very made for people in wheelchairs. They're not made for bigger bodies. Um, If you think about cars, have you ever gone shopping for a car? And they said, okay, would you like the small seat, the medium seat, or would you like a larger seat? It's just always very small. So the world around us has been catered and created so that we cater to the small body, Mm -hmm. which keeps people in this place. Now, diet culture is also working with the medical industry, and people don't love to know this fact, (laughs) but diet culture um, depends on the medical companies, and they depend on the fitness industry and the beauty industry to uplift their message. So many things that we hear about in the medical industry is actually backed and supported and donated towards by companies that sell them products that will back their research. So for example, years and years and years ago, and I might be speaking outside of your audience because I know you're a little bit younger That's than okay. I am, but let me just age myself here. So years and years and years ago, there was a study that came out that basically said cellulite is so fucking bad. Like, absolutely not. Like, this is a sign of your like lack of self-worth. Like, if you have cellulite, that makes you ugly ABC. And the study that literally tried to say that cellulite was bad for our health was actually um, funded by Johnson and Johnson. Mm. Johnson and Johnson then created a, um, a a product that was a cellulite reducing cream. Right. And they sold it for seven ninety nine. So if eighty five percent of people that identify as female or women have cellulite, this research study is showing that you can that it's bad for your health if you have it. And then all of a sudden, kaboom, there's a beautiful product here that's able to support you. Right. And then how the fitness industry works into this is saying, okay, so we buy the seven ninety nine product and we use it on ourselves and nothing changes like surprise, surprise. And then the fitness industry is like, oh, well, you have to get fit for it to work as well. Like you can't just like put a cream on it. So then all of a sudden we're like, okay, cool. So we're buying booty bands and we're buying all these fitness programs to try to change the way that we look because it's for our quote unquote health. But in reality, it's not. So Yes, there are things that are healthy in terms of drinking water, sleeping, emotional well-being, um, movement. Those are things that are healthy regardless of what size you are, and you can do that. Mm -hmm. So if you are working through diet culture and if you are someone that's trying to learn how to love your body, the first step is really understanding fat phobia and understanding diet culture and the pressures that it has on us. And then the second step would be to recognize that health can be at every single size. It doesn't mean that you have to be a certain size to drink water for it to be healthy. doesn't mean that you can't go for a walk at whatever size movement is movement. Mm -hmm. So it's allowing yourself to understand and know that those messages are there in place for you to spend money. Yeah. When you hate yourself, when women hate themselves and they don't target men and people that identify as men the same way that they target women. But when you hate yourself, everyone else wins. The industries win, the big companies win, the CEOs that are making billions and millions and millions of dollars. The more you hate yourself, the more they are going to win. So when you are working through diet culture and when I worked through diet culture, nothing was working for me. Like I tried to love myself no matter what. And the only thing that changed was me learning that there are industries literally set in stone and set in place to make me hate myself. So I spend more money. And I was like, okay, fuck that. Like, 
I'm such a rebel. I'm such like a go against the rules. So like literally like the whole idea of like loving myself, I was like, can't do it. Like that's not working for me right now. And then all of a sudden someone was like, you know, if you like buy this shit that you're like giving money to like the big, like white men at the top. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not fucking giving no man money. Like fuck that. They can't take power of me. And then I went like the complete opposite and rebelled against everything. So it's actually, yeah. And like, sometimes, you know, yes, the goal is to love yourself, but also too, like, sometimes it's really fucking hard to love yourself in a world that tells you to hate yourself. So if you're someone that is like, okay, you know what? I need something to hold on to. Think about every single time when you feel like you need to diet, when you feel like you need to overexercise, when you feel like you need to change to look a certain way to have worth. I want you to picture like someone that you absolutely hate. And I'm totally like someone that's like, yeah, like hate is allowed. Like there's some pretty awful people. Yeah. But you like think about someone that you like, the person that you hate that's like, that would take away all your power if you continue to do that. And it's like, absolutely not. That's not going to be a situation for me. And pull back into your power by being like, I'm not going to listen to those voices because if I say no to them, I'm actually saying yes to myself. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start to see this momentum. And that's where I saw the momentum with my own relationship with diet culture, because I was caught up in it. My parents, like, you know, my mom, and I'll put like a trigger warning, like I'm going to talk about like certain sayings, but Mm -hmm. you know, my mom, before we would go away on a trip, she'd be like, chicken and salad time. Cause it's almost bikini or and like, yeah. or we'd come back and she'd be like, Oh, okay. Vacation's over time to get back on my, you know, and I love my mom so much. And I hold so much space for her because she also grew up in a world that told her that if she gained weight, that she would be loved and she wouldn't have worth. So, you know, even like allowing ourselves to be like, Hey, where are these messages coming from is a really important start in just being able to remove yourself because I had no idea I was even caught up in it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, like my family would be like, don't eat, don't eat extras or like, yeah, like, yeah. Right. Like it's literally everywhere. Like even at school, like, you know, don't drink milk. It's bad for you. Or like, don't eat bread. Like it's, it's embedded in our society. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I grew up with the same messaging and I'm sure everyone else did too. I love this idea of like questioning it because I think mm-hmm. it's so widely accepted. Oh, I need to lose five pounds before I go on vacation. Like that's totally normal, but it's like, why? But why? But why? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. There's this beautiful, um, and I'm totally going to mess up the, the name of it, but people use it in therapy and I use it with my clients, but it really is ask, like getting down to the mm-hmm. why and the nitty gritty and like 99.9% of your thoughts that you have that are negative about you are not natural thoughts. They come from somewhere right. and it's always deeply rooted in um, a systemic oppression mm-hmm. or something like white supremacy, yeah. um, capitalism, fat phobia, transphobia, patriarchy. like very important things, patriarchy, like all of our negative thoughts are learned. Yeah. Right. So the cool thing about it, when we're talking about building confidence and being like, okay, where do I go from here? Is that as much as you learned to hate yourself, it's going to be just as hard, but you can actually learn how to love yourself and you can learn how to actually see worth in yourself. And people think it's just about being able to look in the mirror and say like, you, you got this, like, fuck everyone, but it's not, it's like really getting to the root of like, where's this thought coming from? Like, if you're struggling because you feel like you don't have enough money saved and you're not doing enough in your job, chances are that's coming from capitalism, Mm -hmm. making you feel like you don't have worth unless you have a ton of money to give back and give into the system, right? If you don't like your body, it's 
probably fat phobia and anti-blackness that's coming in and this like ableism, right? So all of our negative thoughts are really important to look at because they're not just negative thoughts that affect you. They actually affect how the human interacts with the other human. And it's important now more than ever to recognize how your thoughts and your feelings are not just about you anymore. Yeah. It's about the greater good. And for me, I really started listening to people that didn't look like me to be like, oh, holy shit. Like when I sit on my stories and be like, oh, I'm like feeling really insecure, but like I can shop at every single store at the mall. Yeah. I've never once been trolled to like with death threats about my size on the, on the internet. Mm -hmm. I can get in a car with no problem. I can get on a plane with no anxieties or fears that I'm not going to fit in. I can go on roller coasters. Like when you just start to see like, Oh fuck, like it's not just about me anymore. Yeah. It's about the greater good of humans. That's when you can actually start elevating your self-love because you pull yourself down almost. And you remove this like what was me mentality and you can start to see like oh I need to heal myself so that the people around me and the humans around me can also heal yeah no definitely I'm also coming from the same place of privilege so I completely resonate with that yeah and and you know privilege and taking responsibility of like your reality it's not necessarily like you you're wrongdoing like I can't help that I'm white I can't Mm -hmm. like change the fact that I had the childhood that I did But now that I'm aware, like you're saying, it's like, okay, like, let's be aware of where we're coming from. Let's take responsibility in how we play a role in this. And now like that, I'm aware of all of these systemic issues. Like I don't sit in front of my friends who are fat or who are bigger and say, oh, I hate myself because what am I saying about them? Yeah. Right. And so it's allowing ourselves to be like, okay, bigger picture, bigger picture. How can I heal myself so that the relationships around me are stronger, but also the humans around me are stronger. And when we have strong humans in our community, that's where we start to see like collective healing. And that's what this world really needs right now. It's like this togetherness to heal all individual, but all together as well. Yeah. It's totally good to like zoom out and it's very zoom out selfish almost this idea of just like obsession with how your body looks especially when you come from a place of being the like accepted body type Mm -hmm. and and I think too like you know maybe this is triggering for people listening who might be in a smaller body but no one's saying that your insecurities are invalid and I think that's also another big thing to mention is that like no one's invalidating your reality it's just that skinny shaming is a lot different. And the shame that you might get for being thin um, is a lot different than the oppression mm-hmm. that fat folks experience. So right. there's a difference between shame and, and oppression and oppression lies within the systems and yeah. shame lies within individuals. Yeah. So if you're skinny and you're listening or you're small and you're conventional and you have body image issues, that's okay. Like, again, we all grew up in this world. However, it's really important that we start to recognize Um, where our thoughts are and how we can start healing ourselves so that the people around us can have an opportunity to do the same. On this topic of body image, how do you cope and help your clients cope with healing their body image and maybe with comparison to others, especially with social media now? Yeah. So um, I approach comparison 
different than I've ever seen anyone approach it before. And I approach comparison very strictly through the lens of inspiration. So it's very easy to say, I want what she has. I want what they have. I want what he has. And because they have it, I don't. That's a very scarcity mindset. And I don't really fuck with it. It also is really unfair for the other person. So Mm -hmm. um, essentially it's through the lens of who am I to decide that just because you have something that I want, that you're happy about it. And so I like to look at it this way because it's really, again, going back to this message I was just talking about, but recognizing that for us to compare and then make assumptions about someone's life, I know for myself, if someone assumed that my life was like hunky dory and I had no fucking problems, I would feel so invalidated. Like that hurts my feelings. And also too, if I found out that someone was looking at me and putting themselves down because they're not me, Mm -hmm. like that would also hurt me. So when I'm working with my clients and when I'm working with people, I tell people first and foremost, you never compare yourself to people that you don't see yourself in. So for myself, I do not compare myself to Kylie Jenner because I don't want to fucking be the bitch. She's rocking her shit. She's the richest person on earth. I get it. I love what she's done with her brand. Very interesting, Mm -hmm. but I don't ever compare myself because I don't see myself in her. Now, do I see myself in people like Brene Brown and all these other people who are like doing really great things for well-being and confidence and self-worth? A hundred percent. Yeah. But that's because I see myself and I see my capabilities in someone else. So we're so used to being at war with people and we're so used to this narrative that like there's only room for one and like it's a competition. It really doesn't have to be who you're comparing yourself to is an example in a mirror to show you that what you are thinking for yourself is possible. Now thinking about that, does that not sound a lot nicer than fuck that bitch? She has what I have and I fucking hate her for it. Yeah. Right. So it's about the energy that you exchange, right? Mm -hmm. I could look at all the people and be like, I want what they have. Like, fuck them. Like, why do I not have it? Or I can be like, Hey girl, Hey dude, fucking obsessed with your business, obsessed with what you're doing. Like, I am so inspired to be like you. Like, I just want to learn from you. I'm so inspired by you. And I just want you to know that. Let me tell you the amount of times I've sent that message and gotten back free tips, free support from the people that I am looking up to the most. Yeah. It just sets a total different tone, right? So it's it's about allowing yourself to be like, these people don't need to be my enemy. These people don't need to be someone that I'm fighting with. It's allowing yourself to be like, I want what they have. And instead of it being but they have it. So I don't, it's mm. how can I use that for my inspiration? Yeah. How that's can such a nice I shift bridge? in perspective? Fuck yeah, man. I'm not about this friggin' negative energy. There's enough of that in the world. Like it's exhausting hating people. Yeah. It's exhausting being triggered by individuals who are just living their lives, doing nothing to hurt your feelings. So for me, I'm like, okay, hey, how can I bridge the gap between them and myself? What are they doing that I could adapt in my day-to-day living? That's going to get me closer to them. Right. So I look at everyone that I'm comparing myself to the business owners, like the other people. And I'm like, what are they fucking doing? And 99% of it is like, they're taking rest days. They care for themselves. They go and visit their family. Like, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to do that too, because those are the habits that the people that I'm inspired to be like are doing. Yeah. Right. And by doing so I've gotten that much closer. Like I work with my dream business coach right now. And at first I was like, there's no fucking way I could work with her. Like she costs like a lot of money that I'm not making in my business. And I reached out to her and I became friends with her and I supported her. And then she was like, Hey man, like, I want to support you because I love what you're doing. And like, I want to offer it to you for cheaper or in like in a different realm. And I'm like, cool. 
That's so awesome. Instead of being like so scared of this person, I made friends with them and I opened my soul to them. And now she's like, no, like you're, you're coming with me. Right. So I ended up actually getting what I wanted by surrounding myself with the people that triggered me quote unquote the most. That's super cool. I feel like I definitely have the experience of like putting people up on a pedestal when they have the things that I want or they are the person that I kind of want to be. But like when you really think about it, they are just a person and they were probably in my position at one point too. Hell yeah. Yeah. And they always, everyone has their own shit going on. Right. And I think that's the big thing too, is like recognizing even like when you feel this sense of comparison and jealousy and frustration coming over you being like, do I know how that person feels about what I'm comparing myself to? Like, for example, if you're comparing yourself to someone's body, Mm. who are you to decide how that person feels about themselves? Right. Right. That's so unfair to make assumptions about someone else's life or someone else's struggles. Mm -hmm. So even when you feel that come over, you ask yourself, like, do I know all the details? No, I'm taking a 2D image or a 2D glance at someone's life Mm -hmm. and I'm making my own story about it. Yeah, especially when you just see the person on social media because there's so like it could be edited, it could be like totally, you know, you don't really know what you're looking at. I know, and it's funny too because people are like, don't look like don't like there's filters and there's Photoshop. Okay, but like also there's posing. Mm -hmm. I know how to pose myself to look a certain way. Yeah. I can literally pose myself in one corner of my room and make it look like I'm in some bougie ass place. And then I could literally like zoom out of the photo and it looks like absolute garbage yeah. but it's just because I've like tilted the camera one angle higher right so I I also tell people too like you can't compare to what you're seeing because you just don't have all the facts yeah 100% and even if you do have all the facts you don't have all the facts yeah because you can never be in someone else's head no even if someone opens up their whole soul and life to you you're not going to know how they personally are feeling so that's how I address comparison and again it's very different than what most people do comparison is a natural thing that we do right like think about how much we compare you go to the grocery store you pick up two oranges Mm -hmm. you're going to compare the two to be like which one's nicer right you're going to go outside and be like is it colder than yesterday? Or is it warmer than yesterday? Like, is this color darker or lighter? Like, is my lipstick purple or pink? Like everything in life is this act of comparison. So to say don't compare is so irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I agree. And like, it just doesn't make sense. And then to say like, well, comparison is the thief of joy. I also don't think that that's true because I think comparison can be used for so much joy. Like for me being able to compare to someone to be like, okay, like that's where she is. Like, I want to get there. I've been able to get that joy because I've searched for it. Right. So it's all about perspective and how you look at it. And again, instead of dividing yourself from these people that you're inspired to like pull yourself closer, like use that as a pull to be like, they have something that I want. Like, let me use that as information to get closer to my dreams and desires. Yeah. And naturally we're going to compare if you're different from somebody, which you're different from everybody. So yeah. if you're going to compare, you might as well learn and gain from it. Totally. And like these feelings of comparison or these feelings of jealousy, like, yes, they're low vibrational feelings. Like they don't feel amazing, but like they're part mm-hmm. of the human experience. When you allow it to come up. Yeah. Like you allow it to come up, you recognize it, you sit with it, you move through it. It's far easier than if you're like, ah, like, fuck this. Like I, I can't be near this person. Or like, I hate that person. Like why? 
just say you're jealous. Just say you're hating bitch. Like it, it feels so much nicer. Like I will tell people, I'm like, I'm straight up jealous, man. Like I'm fucking triggered. And they're like, bitch, don't be, this is fake. I bought it for like the day and I returned it. And I'm like, oh, and then you learn. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, my jealousy has gone. Imagine if I sat here for three days, jealous that someone had a fucking bag that they bought from the store and then returned it. That's so true. Won't be me. Could be me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 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 Okay. I would love to hear some actionable tips for gaining confidence. Yeah. So confidence is going to be individual to everyone. And really the root cause of that is because we all come from different walks of life and we all have very different socioeconomic statuses. So yeah, what worked for me will not work for my clients. And which is why I have like a blueprint that I go off of, but everyone has their own journey. So the most actionable thing that you can do is get to know yourself because if you're going to take advice from all of the places online that you can find advice from these days and put it towards yourself, like that's cool, but it's not going to click if it doesn't align with you. So if you know that journaling is difficult or you don't care to write down things, me telling you to journal about your feelings is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. If I say, okay, like stand in front of a mirror, but like the mirror is like an absolute no for you right now, also going to be kind of irrelevant. So the first step to actually like understanding your confidence is understanding where your thoughts are coming from and who you are. So um, I want you to think of your confidence as a building. So right now, if you're trying to build confidence, you're probably start, starting to like put all these things together. So maybe you saw one influencer do this and you saw one coach do that and something and a magazine told you to do this and you're starting to build. Okay. okay. But it doesn't feel right. And it's not clicking. Mm -hmm. And it's because you're trying to build on something that's not foundational to you. So picturing your confidence, you have to picture it like deconstructing almost like a building. So you're going to deconstruct it all. And you're like, okay, what the fuck are my needs? What are my boundaries? What do I like? What do I dislike? Okay. You don't even have to know everything about yourself. You just have to ask yourself like, what the fuck do I like? And what the fuck do I not like? Like, okay. I like being indoors. I hate hiking. I like spearmint I hate peppermint like literally just start asking yourself who the fuck you are and what you like and what you don't like okay then you're going to start building your base so if you're trying to build without actually deconstructing it'd be like building a skyscraper on a base that's made for a small bungalow like it's not going to fucking support you mm -hmm. so you pull yourself down you deconstruct then when you're at the ground here at the ground level you start building your foundation so you say what I like what I don't like then you can start getting into the nitty-gritty what feels good? What doesn't feel good? Um, when do I feel respected? When do I feel disrespected? Just even asking yourself, like, in my life or in my day-to-day, -day, what things am I excited for? Mm -hmm. And what things do I dread? Right? Because these are all, all these feelings that we have each day. Like, they are your feedback information. So sometimes we're like, oh, God, I'm, like, fucking dreading this. Okay, like, stop ignoring that. Okay, yeah. That's literally your body trying to be like, hello, like, you don't fucking need to be doing this. Listen to me, remove me from this situation. Like, absolutely, this is a hell no. Okay, so you're just gonna start listening to yourself, writing things down. If you're gonna journal about it, if you gotta take voice notes, if you gotta talk to a friend about it, whatever. I personally like journaling yeah. because your brain can continue thinking about thoughts. Your hand will run out of patience, okay? So writing everything down and just starting to get to know yourself. Then when you realize, okay, so um, let's use school for an example, because I know a lot of your listeners are in university. Okay. Yeah. If you're in school right now and you hate your fucking program and you cry every single day and you are dreading it and 
you have done the foundational of be like, holy fuck, like I hate school. Do not continue in that program. Yeah. Don't continue because no matter what you try to do, it's not going to feel good. Right. So if something on the base is really bad, you're not going to be able to build yourself up. So deal with that situation. Right. So if, if it's school, for example, changing, um, changing the class that you don't like to asking the professor for extra help, it can even just be asking for different types of Maybe you don't like audio and they give a lot of audio examples. Maybe you like written examples or maybe you like talking to them in person, right? Yeah. There's options for you, but really start making those decisions. Then when you start building yourself up, you can be like, okay, I know that I want to go. Um, okay. I know that I don't want to be in nursing. And instead I'm going to start taking classes that are in English. Okay, cool. I'm going to start studying languages. Um, if it's like, okay, I know that when I don't, sleep well, then I feel bad the next day. Then you start making choices on how much sleep you're going to get and what feels good and how you want to spend your extra time. Maybe weekends are usually spent partying, but that doesn't make you feel confident. So instead you start going hiking because in your core back at that ground level, Mm -hmm. you remember that you love nature and you feel very called to the ground and called to nature there. Right. So that's how you can start, start building yourself up. So Think of it as this deconstruction base, and then you can build up this new level of confidence, but you can't build before you deconstruct. So that would be my advice only because individually I could be like, okay, like, what are you struggling with? Mm -hmm. Here's some ideas, but for any type of thing, you have to just start with understanding who you are in the first place before you even know what's going to work for you in your journey. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this idea of like getting to know yourself and the way you explain to actually do that. Cause it seems super obvious, but like also something I've never explored. Totally. And like, I kind of think that when we hang up this call, I'm going to write some notes on what I actually like and don't like. And it's so easy. And like who I am because that's so cool. Yeah. And like, it's even just like, for me, like I was like, for a long time, I was like, I don't feel comfortable in my skin, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, because I fucking hate like the outfits that I'm wearing. So like everything that's on my body yeah. was frilly and like, quote unquote, gender girly. And I'm like, that's not who I am. So I like yeah. got rid of it all. I had long blonde hair last year. Now my hair is short and black. I'm covered to head to toe in tattoos, but I feel like myself because that's what I like. I didn't like being this Barbie, but I felt like I had to look like a Barbie in order to have this like bubbly confidence. Right. So even just like what color of nail polish do you like? Yeah. Like what, what do you like to eat for breakfast? Like what's your favorite fucking meal? Like what's your favorite thing to order at McDonald's? What's your favorite like smell of essential oil? Like all those things are going to allow you to know more about yourself. And then when you know what you like, you're going to gravitate towards implementing that more and the shit that we don't like gets tossed to the side. Yeah. I feel like so many people like do things or pretend or even convince themselves that they like certain things because they think they're supposed to. And like, that's how they're going to gain confidence or appear confident at least. But like, I really like this like individualized approach to starting to gain confidence. Yeah. And when you start choosing, like, let's just say you like pancakes. Okay. Super easy example. When you start waking up and saying, I'm going to have pancakes for breakfast and you make yourself Mm -hmm. the fucking pancakes you are going to feel so much more aligned and like with self-respect than if you had egg whites because some magazine told you that that's what you should have for breakfast to lose weight. You know what I'm saying? Like when you just even start saying like, no, I don't want like black tea. I'll have like four coffees a day instead. Like 
you just start to feel more confident because you're making choices for yourself. And many people right now struggle with confidence because they never knew that they had choice over their life. Yeah. Right. They just were told like, this is how you wash your body. So then for the last 20 years, you've been washing your body the same way your parents taught you. And this is like the shampoo that you use. And this is how you straighten your hair. And this is how everything we've learned has helped us get to where we are. However, it's okay to reevaluate and be like, is my day-to-day actions actually aligning up to what I want to be or who I want to be? Yeah, I definitely resonate with that because like when I started kind of like my health wellness journey, I was in high school Mm -hmm. and I would watch all these like vegan YouTubers YouTubers. (laughs) and I would just like eat exactly how they ate. I'd eat like just like a big bowl of oatmeal or like a big smoothie for breakfast every day. And like, I convinced myself that I really liked that. And I was like, but now it's like, I don't eat that way at all. I eat like, I eat avocado toast and like eggs for breakfast usually, which is actually what I like eating. Yeah. Rather than what you thought you did. Exactly. So imagine doing that now 20 to 30 times a day. Yeah. Like choosing what you like 20 times a day rather than doing 20 things a day that someone told you to do. Yeah. And then from there. Yeah. Once you've like built that knowledge of yourself, what would you say the next step is? Or is that part just like very individualized that you can't really like? Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to be on their own journey, but the next phase would be really like the maintenance phase essentially. So just constantly checking in with yourself. And then maybe at that point you can start reaching out for support from other people or start following accounts that might have like some support for you. But I would say the, the second part to that is really just like adding on to it, but being very weary of where your information is coming from and making sure that it's in alignment. So yeah, that could be like getting support. That could be like joining in on some programs that could be like, even just like making sure that once a week you're going through your calendar being like, okay, like is my week set up for confidence? Is my self-care set up for confidence? Is my, like, am I doing things for myself? Am I doing things for others? Like really just like, yeah, that maintenance phase. Um, but that destructing and that building like that, that takes time. Like, yeah, that, that takes time. Like you'll be in the depths, like you'll be in the shits for a while. Yeah. And you'll feel like in the shit because you'll be like, I don't know who the fuck I am. And sometimes even that awareness of being like, I don't even know what I like or don't like, that can be very hard on people as well. Yeah. I, I had an experience a couple weeks ago. I was talking to my therapist and she was like, describe yourself. Like, what are your <laughs> attributes? And I was like, I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I literally was like, I actually have no idea. And I was trying to think about how other people perceive me. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her those things. And she was like, I don't know if like you're understanding the question. I was yeah. like, no, I'm really not. I'm really not. It's hard, right? Because when you actually have to say like, who are you and not what other people think of you, but like, who are you? Like, I used to be like, I'm bubbly. I'm blah, blah. Now I'm like, I'm dark as fuck. I'm a little bit sad. Like I'm like naturally depressed, but like I have really funny humor. And I think I'm funny, not because everyone else laughs at me, but like before I would have been like, I'm bubbly, I'm eccentric, I'm kind, I'm friendly. Yeah. Like, like I still don't know the answer to the question for myself. But. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't. Like I'm 28. I've been on this journey since I was 22 years old. And still to this day, when people are like, oh, like tell me about yourself, I'm like, hmm, like, do I really have to? Because I don't know. And that's okay. Yeah. That's 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 the piece of confidence that I think a lot of people need to be okay with is the unknown. Yeah. 
So you started your journey when you were 22 and you feel like, Mm. when did you feel like you got to a point where you did feel confident in yourself? Um, how long did it take you? Probably like three years. Okay. Which is why I say to people, like as much as you have to like deconstruct yourself and not take advice from other people, like I will say, if you're going to like, if you want to like fast forward the, the, what the fuck stage, like hire someone that can help you. Mm -hmm. Um, because it did take me a really long time, but also to like at the time, like there was no such thing, like Instagram wasn't what Instagram was. And there was no such thing as coaches and confidence coaches and mindset coaches. Like there are now. Yeah. So I like really was like going on, like, I wouldn't go on Instagram to get information. I went on to see like what my friends were drinking that night. Like, right. So, I mean, I'm really aging myself. So yeah. So I would say like, it took me about three years to really start to get the hang of it. But even still, like I'm in a program right now, helping me with part of my confidence that I'm still like struggling with. Right. I'm 28 and I fucking read confidence and people are like, I would never be like you. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I still got fucking shit to work on, but it's relative. Like it's all, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a never ending, the never ending journey. But really I would say like after three years of like really trying a lot of things, it was like when I finally just said like, fuck it, like literally fuck it was when I started to be like, okay, like, and you know, that included ending relationships with like my family Mm. that weren't serving me that was leaving that relationship that I was in 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 Australia like I packed my bags I left my house like it was a six and a half year relationship I ended things I moved into a house with a fucking roommate like in college like you know what I'm saying like it it's taken a lot man and like it's just never ending and it doesn't feel good like confidence doesn't quote-unquote feel good the act of implementing it does so if you're like oh my god I thought this was gonna make me feel better okay well like the breakup's not gonna feel good no but like leaving the fucking loser that's like treating you like a piece of shit is gonna feel good in the long run but you have to make those really hard decisions and those really big moves in order to actually get to where you want to be because change takes change yeah that as cliche I feel like that should be like on a pillow somewhere change takes change but really it's I know I was just thinking like of the corniest thing I was like yeah like it gets worse before it gets better and you have to experience discomfort to get to a better place yeah I always tell my clients like imagine breaking up with your partner because you found out you deserved better versus staying in a relationship that you were miserable in and treated like shit just because you didn't think that you were Mm -hmm. worth anything yeah I think that's like the saddest thing right and I think it's so common people just staying in relationships because it's comfortable yeah, or, or they don't, jobs. yeah, or jobs or anything because they don't really value themselves or think that they're capable. Worth, yeah. Capable that too is of more a really big part of that. Totally. You mentioned like, obviously like losing relationships with people in your life. And on that note, can we talk about setting boundaries? Like how do you set boundaries with people? How do you know when a person maybe needs to just not be a part of your life anymore? Yeah. So something that I would love for you all to do, and you can even do it yourself right now, but I'm going to walk you through my favorite exercise that I do with my clients. And I do this almost every week with myself just to make sure that I'm like in check. But um, if you're listening right now, okay, I want you to close your eyes. Okay. And I want you to picture yourself as the most authentic, happiest, confident, most proudest version of yourself. Okay. And I want you to picture that version of you in 
a space where you feel like that version could flourish. So maybe you're picturing yourself right now on the beach. Maybe you're picturing yourself in like the jungle. Maybe you're picturing yourself like surrounded by flowers or, or clouds. Okay. I want you to think of that person. So now that you're sitting here thinking about that version of you, I want you to picture a circle being drawn around you and almost this layer of protection coming. So maybe your layer of protection is glitter. Maybe it's this like really steady um, steel protector of like armor. Maybe it's trees, but there's a space around you that's going to protect you so that you can continue being that authentic, happy, pleasureful, joyful person that's inside of it. Okay. So now the next part of this exercise is thinking about the different types of people that come into our life in a day-to-day basis. So there's three categories of people. So the first category of people are going to come up to this protected gate of yours, and these people are allowed into your space. So they can come in, they actually can maybe stay for a couple days. And when they're there, they're able to stay for that long because you never have to change who you are. And that state of joy, peace, calm, happiness, confidence, and authenticity never shifts no matter what. Okay, so these people, you might be thinking of a couple of people in your life right now. They come in, they can stay, and you're super safe to be yourself. Okay, now they're going to go away. The second group of people in our life come up to the gate, and these are people that you might need to be wary of. So maybe they can come into that beautiful space of yours, and maybe they can stay for a couple days, or sorry, a couple hours, or maybe a couple minutes, but they don't get to stay for long, because when they're in your space for too many minutes, you start to notice that you become a different version of yourself you start to feel scared or judged. You start to feel like you have to put a mask on or shift that authentic version of yourself in order to be liked or in order to remain safe. Okay, so these people that you might be picturing right now, they can come, but they don't get to stay. Okay, now the last group, these are called the walkarounds. So these are people in your life that if they come into that safe space of yours, you will lose all sense of self. You will lose all sense of confidence. You will feel threatened. You feel like you can't be yourself. And so these people will never step foot into that protector of yours, but instead they walk around on the outside. You might feel their presence in your life, but you're never going to allow them in because it's just not a safe space for you to do so. Okay. So those people are called the walkarounds. Now, The next part of this exercise, so everyone's gone, you're back in this safe space, this protector of yours. And I want you to think about um, if this beautiful protection of yours was um, at risk of being threatened. So maybe things were coming into it. Maybe people were starting to threaten it and you felt like all, all of a sudden you maybe had to change who you were on the inside in order for people to like you or in order to remain safe. And I want you to think about who would come to your side to protect that beautiful protection for you if you needed it. So this might be specific people. This might be animals. This might be some type of nature, maybe fairies for you. 
but who's coming to protect that space for you so that you can remain safe, okay? So you can open your eyes now. This exercise is great, okay? Because it allows you to literally visualize who is safe and who's not, right? And if you have people, and you know what? Maybe people that were in the walk around, maybe they're people that you're supposed to quote unquote love the most, like mom and dad. Maybe they're people like our partners, but this exercise can allow you to be very um, visual with who should be able to stay in your life and who shouldn't. And the people that came in at first, the people that can stay for a while, those are the relationships that you want to nurture. And those are the relationships that are good for you. And the ones that are the walkarounds, these are ones that are probably the relationships that you need to set boundaries with so that they don't mess up your safe, sacred version of yourself. So anyways, this action and this experience can just really give you a five minute, almost like a quick no, or a little bit of like a touch in to just really see like, are you spending time in the relationships that are safest for you? And if not, then that's when you know what boundaries to place. And then people who maybe are like in that second tier, um, people that maybe you need to set more boundaries with, but not like completely cut out how do you go about setting those boundaries yep yeah so so boundary setting I mean like we could talk for seven hours about boundary setting it's one of the main things that I work with on people but it's really about like asking yourself what feelings come up when you're around people and how can you reduce those feelings so maybe for those people that are coming in that can kind of stay but go Mm -hmm. that might be limited time that you spend with them that might be um taking some conversations off of the table Um, that are just not safe for you to talk about. So for example, maybe your parents are always commenting on your weight, but they are very supportive with your schooling and very like supportive with who you are as a person. And you still want a relationship with them. Yeah. Um, Saying to them, like, I love you. um, And this is not like, I'm not mad at you. However, it's very difficult to maintain a relationship with you when you're constantly putting down, putting me down about the way that I look. And I need you to stop commenting on my body so that I don't feel frustrated, upset, or unworthy due to that one very irrelevant thing in my life. And how do you get over the fear of that not being well received. So the thing about boundaries is that people think of it as you being an awful individual and that it's like cutting off relationships, but approaching it with the mentality that this is going to support you. And this is for the longevity of a relationship will give the energy a different vibe. So Mm -hmm. if you go into a conversation saying, well, I don't like how you treat me and like you're being a fucking asshole. Yeah. The person's going to be defensive because they know that they're wrong and they're not going to be like, okay, yeah, for sure. Oh my God, my bad. But if you go into it with the idea of, okay, if I set this boundary, that means I can continue my relationship with my parents. And it means that we can still have each other for support. Then that energy, when you go in to say, Hey, listen, like, I love you guys so much, but it really hurts my feelings when you comment on my body and it makes me feel insecure. And I'm worried that those are going to be things that stop me from being able to hold a relationship with you in the future, it's likely going to be received a little bit better than if you're going off just being like, fuck you guys. And you guys are awful. Right. Yeah. 
So it's, it's really about the energy that you bring and the way that you receive, perceive it. If you, if you perceive that this is going to end a relationship and people are going to be defensive about it, then they're going to be right. And to be completely honest, no one likes to be told that what they're doing is hurting someone and no one really, honestly, other than people that have really done deep work is okay with hearing that they've been hurtful to people. Yeah. And like they accept it right like so for me when when friends say to me like one friend a couple weeks ago was like asking me a question and I was like oh my god duh and she was like hey my ex who was super abusive used to say like duh to me and it was a way to make me feel really stupid Mm -hmm. and like I real feel really triggered by that and I was like of course duh will be out of my vocabulary when we're talking yeah Right. But if she had pent that up and then never told me and then added like resistance to our relationship. And then all of a sudden was like, when you said that, like you disrespected me, like it would have been a different story, but because she was like, okay, like, this is like my boundary. I was like, of course, cool. Like I had no idea. Right. Thanks for sharing with me. So, it, cause of course you n- meant no harm by saying duh, but to her, that was like very triggering to a traumatic experience. Exactly. Yeah. And then even like, so like by her saying that yesterday we were having a conversation and she was like, oh my God, like this just proves how dramatic you are. Oh, sorry. That's okay. And, um, and I said, Hey, like, I feel super safe to say this to you because you expressed a boundary to me, but the word like calling me dramatic is very triggering because mm-hmm. I've always been someone who over exaggerated my feelings to be validated by my parents. And I'm working on that, but I'm still really struggling with this idea of being dramatic. So she was like, Oh my God, I had no idea. Like, yeah. And I said, yeah. And I said, the only reason I feel really, I said, I said, I feel really safe to express my boundary with you because you did that to me with the duh. And she was like, Oh my God, when you put it in perspective like that, like, We've both now safely expressed our needs. It has not affected our friendship whatsoever. And if anything, because we're both on the same playing field, our friendship was able to go even deeper because we allowed ourselves to be like, oh, like this does not work for me. Can you support me in it? And it was like, of course. Yeah, it brings you closer. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like you realize you both are at the same kind of emotional intelligence level. Exactly, exactly. So boundaries are hard. Like I said, we could talk about it for three hours, but Mm -hmm. really it comes down to how you're viewing it and realizing that like your boundaries are gonna keep you safe and your boundaries are gonna keep you happy. And in relationships, that mean a lot to you. And when you disrespect your boundaries, then it feels really bad. And remembering that when you do that, okay, like this feels not so good. This feels slimy. It allows you to then be in positions to be like, okay, I don't want to feel that again. So how can I put a boundary in place to make sure that it doesn't happen? Yeah. And I feel like obviously that example that you said, like you guys were both at a very emotionally intelligent place, but Mm -hmm. not everyone in your life is going to be at the same level as you so how do you cope with it when maybe you express a boundary and it's not received well not being respected yeah not well received well that's not a you situation and that's all it really is you just remove yourself you have to keep yourself safe and if you've done it in a kind way and if you've done it in a way that's in alignment with the energy that you're receiving from them and they don't want to respect you Mm -hmm. is that a you problem no right so then you have to make the hard decision and removing yourself from a spot. Imagine it'd be like if someone's saying like, hey, can you like not step all over my foot? That hurts. And then the person like stomping <laughs> on your foot. And it's like, just because it's an emotional yeah. thing doesn't mean that it's any less valuable than a physical boundary. Yeah. This is definitely something like I personally struggle with just because maybe it'll be something that's not 
that bad and it's not worth bringing up, but then it's like something that continuously happens. And I'm like, maybe I should set this boundary for myself. Totally. Totally. And boundaries can change. Boundaries can be fluid and boundaries can really just be independent to people. And that's why it's so tricky of a conversation because it can be so situational and that's okay. Just remembering that and like setting small boundaries with other people and with yourself is, is a great place to start. What is the connection between like setting boundaries and being confident as a person? So your boundaries are your rule is your rule book Mm -hmm. to who you are or your instruction manual. So essentially you're just saying to people, here's the rules and here's the like step-by-step on how to make me feel like a valued individual. Mm -hmm. And when you allow people to overstep your boundaries and put you down, you're going to feel like shit. Right. So when you have strong boundaries and when people, when you ask people to respect them and when you respect your own, you're going to feel better about yourself because you're following this rule book and you're following this manual for yourself and for others involved to be like, this is where I thrive the best. And this is what's going to make me the best and happiest version of me. And that's where the confidence link link comes from, right? Like if you're constantly, if you're constantly going to a friend's house, let's just say, and the drive is an hour and a half there, Mm -hmm. it can start to feel really daunting when you're always the one driving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Right. And then you feel like, okay, well, I could have used that time to do other things. You're right. You could have. Right. But when you keep dismissing it, that's when you start to be like, fuck, I'm doing it again. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm putting someone else's needs in front of mine. And then you start to get this feeling of being worthless or useless because you don't have a strong backbone, quote unquote. Yeah. But if you say, Hey, you know what? I've come to your house three times. Do you mind meeting halfway? Or can we, can we meet here or there? Then maybe the person will be like, yeah, for sure that feeling of asking what you need or asking for a reciprocal energy is going to make you feel like you respected yourself more, which then self-respect is a part of confidence and your confidence is going to go. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Like you're sacrificing your own needs and putting others above you constantly. How can you expect to really love yourself if you're not treating yourself with love and respect? Exactly. Exactly. How do you self-validate? Like I feel like when I'm upset or something, my first move will be like, call a friend, call a family member, like get them to help me feel better. But how do you validate yourself and support yourself in that way? So I have two points to this self-validation or validation from others is not a bad thing. Okay. And that's the first thing that we need to like kibosh in this whole, like validate yourself. Like if no one else is going to, I think it's bullshit. And here's why. There's nothing wrong with asking for an opinion Mm -hmm. about a situation when you are the one emotionally involved. So emotions can make you think completely different things than what's actually going on. It can make you guide into areas that you like never thought you needed to go into or like your brain can start going into like things that you never, that never actually really happened. So I personally believe that asking someone for some support Mm -hmm or some like piece of advice or just some like space to hold while you're going through that is not a bad thing. It's almost like saying, don't ever ask for support. Don't ever ask for someone's opinion. Don't ever ask for like help. That's essentially what it sounds like to me when people are like, I just want to like self-validate myself. Like, obviously we would all like to, but it's not a reality. But what about relying only on others? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like a balance, right? Because it's a nuance. So the second part of my point that I was making is that 
allow yourself to even just write down a situation. So let's just say someone like, let's just say um, for the seventh time in a row, the person that you were dating canceled on you and didn't give you a heads up or anything and just like didn't show up mm-hmm. and you're really fucking upset. Yeah. Okay? You write down how you're feeling And you would write down as if you're writing to you like a friend or something and be like, okay, like this makes me mad, angry at my, I feel disrespected about my time. I feel frustrated. I feel like I deserve better. Yeah. Write that down, then give your friend a call Mm. and they'll probably say he's a waste of time. He's not valuing you as a person. Then you can look at your card and say, okay, you know what? My feelings were right. Okay. I was good. Right. So it's not always about like completely removing it, but like, even just, like I said, like write down how you're feeling, write down the things that you are. And then if you really need that validation from someone else that your feelings are legit, Mm -hmm. then make a phone call after that, but reflect on it first, have them. And then if it aligns, cool. And then if they're like, Hey, you're overreacting. Well, then you have to decide at that point, if that person's opinion is real or not. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, in many situations that a lot of us want validation for, we already know the answer, but we need someone with an unbiased or an unemotional opinion to help us make that. And that's okay. I think that's a really smart idea. Like just write it down and then, you know, like collaborate with yourself and with your friend to like validate you. Yeah. Um, What about like validation in another sense where it's like, kind of like always wanting to be texting somebody or like if that person doesn't text you back, like you feel like lesser, Mm -hmm. that type of validation. Yeah. So, I mean, that in itself is usually just a block for something that you actually need to be doing, whether it's boredom, whether it's like self-improvement, whether it's actually like working through loneliness. So Mm -hmm. if you find yourself constantly like needing people to like your photos, then yeah, that is something to work through. I mean, I'm not a therapist by any means, but like for a lot of my clients, the self-validation comes from just actually cheering yourself on Mm -hmm. and learning how to be your own cheerleader. So um, for example, if you really struggle with work, let's just say, or like productivity, and you're always like, I need validation of like, whatever, then let's like, okay, write your own list and celebrate when you get five things done rather than posting about it on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Right. So like now there's like this, like really big theme of like writing on your Instagram, what you're doing all day, especially in my industry. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, why are you posting that? And that's not to be rude, but like asking yourself, okay, do I actually need to show everyone that I have nine hours worth of calls today? No. Instead, I'm going to write it down on my piece of paper mm-hmm. and I'm going to put a box beside it. And every time I'm done a call, I'm going to check, 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 check. Yeah. And when I'm done my eight calls, I'm going to say, fuck yeah, bitch, you did it. Look at you go. Yeah. Right. So, but when it comes to partnerships and like, and looking for validation for everyone else, like really it's about self-celebration. So if you are someone that's constantly looking for messages, like that's your sign that you need to be spending more time with yourself. That means you need to find, and this is not in a rude way, but finding hobbies, filling your time up with things that you love rather than waiting on someone else's response. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard, but like. That's definitely something like I've always struggle with is like validation from others and I feel like recently I've been more focusing on my own accomplishments and I think that is helping yeah totally and again like I think the whole idea that it's bad if you do validate need validation from others I think that's like Mm -hmm. why we feel so bad about it is because there's this like narrative around it but like to be able to say like hey like I need to be 
validated or like can you just tell me how yeah. hot this nude looks like from a friend like I don't think that's I don't think there's like anything wrong with that. no it's just finding a balance finding like a balance being yeah. able to get it from yourself and from others I yeah think self-celebration important. is a huge piece um in making sure that you can continue like celebrating yourself and being proud of yourself so you don't need other people to tell you that yeah and on that same kind of track speaking to my audience if you've listened to two episodes ago you know that I just recently went through a breakup mm. how do you become more comfortable and happy being on your own, maybe coming out of a breakup or like just in general? Yeah. So very similar to like building confidence. It's like going back Mm -hmm. to you. So um, I went through like my big massive breakup and I thought that at the time it was going to be appropriate for me to just fill my time and space with dating and sex and all of those things. But um, I ended up crashing like eight, eight months later because I just was like, holy fuck, like you just need to chill and be alone. Um, And so some of the things that I would always like tell people is like, really just go back to like figuring out what you like and what you want and then doing that, right? Like it's so easy to feel like lonely or so easy to feel like you've lost something when you go through a breakup. But like, for me, it's like, okay, like what do you need now? And like, what can you do? And what do you want to do? Mm. And then filling your time with that and romanticizing your own life for you and for no one else. So it's like, still take the nudes, keep them for yourself or give them to a friend, like go and do like cook, like learn a new skill, go and meet new friends, like go out to like dancing, like all those things that we kind of like almost forget about when we're in relationships or we think that we have to be with someone. Mm -hmm. I do like the total opposite. Like I get myself completely dressed up, heels, dress, like eyelashes to the nine and I will like take myself out for dinner on a Sunday night and I'll like everyone will be like oh are you waiting for someone I'm like nope I'm doing it myself and people are like wow you're so brave and I'm like I'm not brave I'm just like challenging my beliefs that like I had to do all these things with a partner or someone that loved me rather than just doing it for myself so really just getting down to the root and being like okay like what do I need and how can I honestly just like romance my day to day so that I don't feel this need for someone else to be present in my life in order for it to happen that's something I've always wanted to do is like take myself out for dinner do it I'm so afraid (laughs) so if you're doing that if you're listening and you're you're like newly single or you've never done that before like start by bringing a book or start by bringing um your laptop to do some work like bring something that can distract you that makes you like feel less alone Mm -hmm. and then work your way up to going with no headphones and not sitting on your phone and just like sitting and watching people um it definitely took me some time to like actually get comfortable with being present Mm -hmm. by while being alone but the first few times I would go I would take my book or I would take my journal and just like do my thing and you'd be surprised at how unbothered people are by your solo individualism yeah. Like people don't even notice. And you're like, everyone's going to be looking at me. No one gives a fuck about you. <laughs> like in the nicest way possible. I know, but it's, yeah. You, but you mentioned even like people being like, oh, are you waiting for someone? That's my biggest thing is like, they're going to be like, what is she doing? Like, why is she here? Oh my God. No, the power when you say no. And then the look on the people's faces when they're like, oh, uh, uh, and you're like, mm-hmm, yeah. Like that in itself is like super sexy. Right. Because what you're also doing in that moment is you're showing that person oh, holy shit, like I could do something alone or like this is something that I could possibly do. And like, I will post about it every single time that I do it. I literally like record myself 
and like a video of me being like, hi, I'm here for Erica. It's a table for one. And people being like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yep, yeah, like no guest. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, right, right this yeah. way. And I record it and post it to show people like it's, it's not as big of a deal as what we think it is. Okay. I need to see that. Like, is that on your story or something? I'll literally, I'll literally send yeah. it to you after. Yeah. That's so yeah, awesome. It's good. It's yeah. And I mean, like I said, the more that you do it, the more you give everyone else the opportunity to do it as well. And I think we should be doing that more often than just like waiting for someone to like romance. Yeah. I'm us. so down to normalize this. Yeah. It's so sexy. Like I literally am like, I date myself better than I date any partner I've ever dated. Yeah. Cause like, it's not that I don't like doing things alone. Like going to a coffee shop alone is so easy for me, but like a full like dinner, that's, mm-hmm. that's another step. Try it and tell me how you feel. I promise you, you'll feel like a bad bitch. Oh, I bet. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we actually covered everything. I guess the last question is just, where can we find you? Are there any, any programs that you want to plug? Yeah, totally. So I offer one-on-one support and it is a high ticket um, program as it's super hands-on and very involved. Um, so you can find me at Erica's Confidence Co. It's all one word on Instagram or on TikTok. Um, and from there, I have all my programs. So I offer one-on-one support. I offer a sexual and sensual dance class program where I teach people how to dance all sexy and get in tune with themselves. We show up naked or in lingerie and really drunk sometimes it's really fun um I also have an OnlyFans where I do all my sex education and my sex um coaching there because Instagram hates anyone that talks about sex so um I have that and then also too like I said you can just follow along on on Instagram I have a podcast called rated e for Erica where I have more tips and tricks about confidence sex and business um but my Instagram is the place to be I'm an absolute hoot and I'm going to self like proclaim myself as very funny and entertaining to watch. So and confirm that's where you can find me. Yeah. Can, can, yeah. It's confirmed. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, I had so much thank fun you. talking to you and I'm so excited for this episode to come out. So me too. Thank you for having me. And for anyone listening, you've got this, you're totally capable of doing it and just be really patient with yourself. Everyone's going to be in their journeys at different points. And it's important that you just allow yourself to be where you are and then go from there. Don't try to be catching up to people. 